The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. All right, Farrell on the bench. Uh, as we go into the second hour. Uh, so anyway, what I was saying was, is that uh, I'm I'm a nice guy until I'm not nice. <laughs> and... I have to tell you, Carver High, you already know what I'm like when things don't go my way in terms of, like, you know, uh, technical uh, difficulties or crashing internets or show off air, TV down, radio down, man down. Uh, There's only one way to deal with that, in my opinion. Some people remain calm. I turn into Bob Knight. And you know that's true. Like you've seen me with my language as uh, deplorable as it is. But you have to admit, sometimes when I uh, snap, it's entertaining for you to see. I think that he's uh, refusing to acknowledge. It is. My... It is. Uh, it does get entertaining from time to time. That is for sure. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh this is one of the better ones. Uh, you were okay with this one. I've seen worse. Yeah, so when uh, you're doing 90 things at once right now, trying to maintain some kind of composure through all this uh, chaos and everything, and then I'm I'm over here uh, talking to you while you're trying to do right. juggling five different things at once, how hard is it for you to uh, listen to me ask you questions and ask for a response when you're juggling five things at once and there's bosses calling you and people all over the country calling you and there's phones ringing and people complaining and there's all kinds of chaos. How hard is it to like talk to me at the same time? Is that very difficult for you? I, I mean, it- it's 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 not ideal if you want to know. I mean, it's not it's not uh, the thing that I particularly can do right now, but we'll make it work. I got the uh, the mic going here. I'll be able to talk to you. I'll hear you. What's going on? Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. 
So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. All right, so before I was talking about, uh, I think at, at some level, I, before it all happened, wasn't I talking bad about uh, Nick Foles, right? I think, I think that's about where I was. So let me just refresh your memory. A, the Dodgers are now up 7-2 on the Padres, who have bent over completely, pulled their pants down, got spanked and called Charlie, and their season is over. Okay, if they come back in this game, I will keel over because they look lifeless at seven two right now. And you know it. So the other thing is, is Foles. I'm sitting here watching this guy. Right. And it's hard for me to watch when I got all kinds of problems going on on the radio. Right. I We got all these uh, issues that happen. And so I was sitting here doing the show. Chaos uh, happened like a hurricane hit, like a cat five hit hit. And the whole show went down. And I'm sitting there cussing and screaming and yelling, trying to figure it out. And uh, I missed like a chunk of the game where I could like evaluate how bad he is to like prove it to you how bad this guy is. But I did catch one thing that I can at least elaborate on. Okay, so the last time they had the ball, they were there was probably five minutes left, right? And uh, you know. This is their drive. It was five plays, eight yards in 201. So uh, remember, the Buccaneers had a 10-play, 66-yard drive, took 545, and they got a suck-up field goal from 25 yards out. Good. That gives them the lead, 19-17, right? So then that was on fourth and one at the uh, Bears' seven. They get the field goal. They go up 19-17. They kick off. And then um, first down, Foles pass incomplete to Mooney. Uh, second and 10, Foles sacked at the Chicago 16 for a nine-yard loss. Third and 19, Foles pass incomplete deep right to Ginn. Penalty on Tampa, roughing the passer, 15 yards. First down, first down, Foles pass short right to Miller uh, for two yards. He threw a two-yard pass. Second down and eight at the Chicago 33. Foles pass incomplete short to Mooney. Third down and eight at the Chicago 33. Foles pass incomplete short to Robinson. Boom. Fourth down and eight. Uh, They punt 59 yards to Tampa. So then uh, Tampa gets the ball and they do nothing. Four plays. uh, Nothing works. Uh, Jones gets a two-yard loss on the first one. Brady incomplete on second down. Brady incomplete on third and twelve. Uh, and then Pinion punts 45 yards to the Chicago 41. So the Bears get excellent field position, right? And, you know, first and 10, Montgomery goes uh, right to the Chicago 49 for one yard. Second and nine, Foles incomplete deep to Graham. Now it's third and nine at the 49. And I'm watching this guy. He's got 213, a TD, and a pick. He's 26 of 37. But, I mean, I got to tell you, for me, and he throws the first down. He gets the first down there, throws it eight yards out to the sideline to Miller, 
and they got a first down now. And there's tons of time left, Carver High. There's a minute 50 left, and they have the ball now at the 42-yard line of the Bucks. Do they score? Do you think that Foles takes them down the field and they score and win this game? Or do the Bucks stop them? And or do they kick a field goal to win it? What do you think they're gonna do? Because they're obviously, I mean, they're within they're within five yards of a field goal right now. So do they kick a field goal to win it? Or do they try to score and win it? Or do they blow it? I think that the Bears win it with a field goal here. I think they're gonna win the game. Okay, so now uh, on first down, they lose, like, I don't know, four yards. I don't know what that play was, but they threw it to the back, and he didn't get anywhere. So Tampa stopped him. Now there's a player down injured, so they're going to stop the clock with a minute 39 left. It's second and 11. But they are right there where they need to be for a uh, field goal. Now, remember, I think they had their kickers all injured, right? Didn't they uh, have, like, remember they had – uh, their guy, Eddie Pinero or whatever, was injured, so they brought it in. They had guys filling in for him. They had, like, backups in there kicking for him. I don't know. Isn't that about right that the Bears were – they had uh, their kicker out. So they've been they've going had a, with, they've had a They've had a billion kickers. Didn't they have that Santos guy? They brought him in after Pinero got hurt, and that's who they brought in to kick, right? And then I, I think they actually even brought in another guy because I guess Santos didn't do well. So I don't know. You may be because I can't listen right now doing the show. All I can do is look, but I don't even they haven't even shown the kicker on the sideline over there, like warming up or swinging a leg or kicking into the net. All I see is they're still trying to figure out what they're going to do here with the injured player. And then uh, it's given Foles and Nagy all kinds of time for a, a plan on the sideline. It's like a free timeout with the injured player. Right. So. All I know is uh, they're going to be in uh, – I want to know if, in terms of uh, field goals, if you've – is it just me? Because I can't see any field goals here. If they've kicked any field goals in this game. Now, I know that uh, Tampa has. Suckups kicked a few. So, I, I think with uh, – in regards – I guess they must have kicked one of them in the game because they scored two touchdowns and then kicked a uh, field goal. But I don't know where it was. I know – let's see. It, that was in the uh, first half, obviously. And uh, this is all plays. I want to see the scoring plays. So the Bears, it is Cairo Santos. So he made a 47-yarder already that gave the uh, Bears the 17-16 lead. And then Suckup made the 25-yarder to make it 19-17. So bottom line is he's kicked one tonight. And uh, that's all that matters is that he's going to be the one. If they can't uh, do anything on this second and 11 they carted the injured player off the field so that's why it took five minutes it took five minutes just to get the guy off the field like scrape him up and now they're back on the field and there's a minute 42 left and second and 11 they've had i mean five seven minutes to just absolutely uh get rested have a just the most gigantic uh strategy timeout ever on the sideline with nagy and Foles and the offense standing over there drinking Gatorade. I mean, they might as well have gotten them a keg of old style. They were there so long. Now they're finally going to snap the ball. The field goal line is roughly four yards away from where they are right now on second and 11. So they think in four yards, Santos can make that kick. And we'll see if Tampa can block the kick or whatever. But 
Foles trying to throw a beauty, and he got it, and he threw a floater for the big first down. Now they're in easy chip shot range. So now they're in complete control of this game. As far as I'm concerned, Carver High, you go try to score a touchdown now and stick it down their throat. Forget about a field goal. I don't trust these kickers as far as you can spit. But that was a gigantic floater by Foles on second and 11. And that play was the, you know, they win the game. That'll be the play that won the game. Montgomery, there you go, to the Tampa 25, a 17-yard completion from Foles. And it was just a like a floater. It looked like one of those corner end zone floaters. And then uh, Montgomery was able to get underneath it and catch it. And now uh, they're at the 25, 24-yard line, and they're just going to let the uh, – well, the Tampa's got two timeouts left, so there's not much they can do here other than, I guess – what they need to do is try to stop them on second and third down and force them to kick the field goal now and get the ball back with like 40, 35 seconds left in the game for Brady. Because the bottom line is they're still going to knock some time off here at least. It's second and nine with a minute and a half left. So I don't know how you do it. Tampa's got one timeout left. They just took one of them. So they only got one more left. There's nothing they can do. They can only stop it one more time. They won't even get the ball back. Right? I mean, what do you think, Carver? High? Will they get the ball back? If this is second down. They're going to stop it here. Then on third down, they're going to let it run all the way down. Right? So there'll be like 20 seconds left in the game. Yeah, something and then like he, that. And then Santos is going to kick it. And then Brady might get the ball back with 20 seconds left. That'll be it. But he ended up going 29 to 40 for 239, a TD, and a pick. So... I guess it wasn't as bad as I thought. I mean, he brought him down the field to win the game. You can't blame him if Santos misses. Now he threw one inside the 10, but the guy dropped it. I think that was Miller. He dropped it. So now it'll be third and nine, a minute 22 left. Clock, um, I don't even know. Uh, it was an incomplete pass. I, I think that the clock might be running. I can't even keep track of all this. It's such... Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Joe Lisi, we like to hook up with every uh, Thursday night to talk about all the college football games that are going to be played Friday and Saturday across the country. Uh, Joe does college football today, and he's just all over the place on Sports Grid. We always love having him on for on the bench. How you doing, Joe? Uh, locked and loaded, Scotty. I mean, uh, you got me amped up for the final minute here with Brady. I mean, uh, I think Matt Nagy sucks. So uh, curious to see if they win this matchup. I hope uh, I hope you're on the right side, and I'm rooting it in for you. 
Yeah, you know, uh, what I was talking about earlier was, you know, as I watched this game, now I won't deny that Foles got it done. Uh, he, he got the ball near midfield, and he moved him down into field position uh, for a, a kick, and, and, you know, Santos made it. But, like, what would you uh, describe him as? Because I've, I've said on the air a million times, he had one great day in the Super Bowl 52, and he won the MVP, and he made all this money off of it in Jacksonville and Chicago and whatever else, Philadelphia. He made all this money, and I never thought he amounted to a hill of beans after that day. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's a great point. I mean, you, obviously winning the Super Bowl comes with a lot of fanfare, but I, you just look at his body of work at Arizona, right? Back in the day, wasn't wasn't an elite quarterback, but he's made it in the league and uh, obviously, you know, is a winner. And, and that's the biggest thing. But I, I think deeper than that goes, you look at Trubisky's success in, in the first couple of years, Matt Nagy, not enough concern and pressure on him. His play calling is absolutely atrocious, especially inside the red zone. I think he deserves more of the credit about why this offense hasn't been able to show consistency and put up points over the last couple of weeks right now. Well, uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, and let's see, you know, bottom line is this. Brady's got the ball now with a minute left, and they've actually uh, moved the ball uh, on this drive. So on first down, he hit uh, Evans. Uh, to the Tampa Bay 37 for 12 yards. Then he uh, threw incomplete. But, I mean, the bottom line is they're at the 37-yard uh, line. They're on 37. And, I mean, he can he's still got time to do something, but he's throwing all these dinky passes. He threw one right there, and they're out to the 42. But it's third down, and now they're inside of 50 seconds. He's got to get down to the 35 at least for a suck up to get out there and kick this field goal. And he's throwing all these short passes. Now he throws one over the middle and it gets uh, deflected incomplete. I just think he's got to throw it a little yeah. further. They got to, they got to gain some yards, Joe. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the problem with Tom Brady in terms of arm strength. It's there, but is it there in the fourth quarter? We talk about Drew Brees and then we're seeing it with Tom Brady now against an aggressive defense. When you get in his face and you force him to throw underneath, you have success. So, Oh, we'll see what this play brings. It's fourth and sixth. I, I mean, look for him to hit Ronald Jones out of the backfield here. I don't have the game on right now. Have it up on uh, on the computer here, but uh, keep me informed about what happens. Well, it's fourth down, and he got uh, incomplete, and that's it. Game over. Bears win. He threw it over the middle like 20 yards, and the guy wasn't even close to making a play. No catch, no flag, no nothing. I don't know what they're looking at here, but everybody's looking around. But I, to me, it's just incomplete. I don't see a flag. Carver, do you see a flag? There's no flag I don't see a there. Flag. I don't see any reason for any flag right there. I don't know what everybody's there's, looking at. There's absolutely no flag, no call, no nothing. I, I think this is just a flat-out bad pass. And he threw it. You know, Braid never had a chance to catch it. I don't know what they're thinking. I, I think what they're thinking, it was that that was third down and not fourth down. That's what Brady's clamoring for right now, but that's not happening, and the and the Bears have won. I think pretty much Brady thought it was third down. It, you know, he's looking around like he's confused, but what's really happened is it was fourth down, and now the Bears have the ball, and the game's over. The Bears are going to win. So there you go. That was kind of an ugly ending to that game uh, for Brady, Joe. And uh, after 3-1, they'll be 3-2 and two now. And uh, the, the Bears, what? This is now... 
they go to four and one. Can you believe that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you have a defense, I mean, again, they're a solid defense. Don't give up a lot of big plays. They're going to be in each and every ball game. But, again, it comes down to they want to win games like this, Scott. I mean, you just look at it in terms of 20-19 is where they want to be in each and every game. They struggle when they fall behind in matchups like case in point to Atlanta. I mean, and Detroit as well. When these high-octane offenses challenge them over the top, they struggle and they have to pass them uh, to come from behind, and that's really not their M.O. So we'll see. I mean, if they can grind out victories, they're going to be there in the end as one of the, the better teams. But I don't think they're where Seattle is or where uh, Green Bay is uh, when you look at Aaron Rodgers on Monday night. Foles win. Bears are 4-1. and one, Bucks are 3-2. and two. It's unbelievable. Now, I had the Bears on the spread, but I thought the Bucks would win the game. And I'm a little surprised they didn't. So I got to give Foles credit. He got the ball, moved him down. Sandos made the kick, and the Bears won the game. So I guess their defense did come through for him tonight against Brady. Chicago's defense gave Brady problems. And late in the game, he got the ball with a minute and 15 left, and he couldn't do anything with it, and that's that. All right, Joe, so I have to ask you. Uh, Houston tonight came out. They finally got to play a game. And they waited five weeks or something. Every game was postponed. They finally got to play Tulane. I was on Houston. I thought they'd come out like Ferguson in Fast Times at Ridgemont High when they stole his car. <laughs> and I, so, I mean, I thought they'd come out rabid, and they did. But they were getting their ass beat in that game. At one point, it was 24-14. But they came back, and they blew out Tulane 49-31, to I think, was the final score. What did you think of Holgerson's boys finally getting able to uh, play and they won 49 31 and covered. And they, and they turned the football over five times, Scotty. <laughs> and they wow. still won by 18. I mean, th- think about that. I mean, I mean, it just unbelievable Clayton tune. I feel like the kid's been there for like nine years at, at Houston, but you know, big performance over 300 yards, Stevenson, uh, a dominating performance speed kills, right? I mean, that's the one thing about Tulane. Again, they can't hold leads. They didn't do it against Navy this year. And, again, their front seven wore down in, in the second half of this matchup. So, Houston's going to be a team they are going to outscore opponents. I mean, if they had De'Ara King in that lineup as their starting quarterback, I mean, just imagine how lethal this offense could be. But a dominating performance, and they're going to be a team that you could say can, you know, be uh, a group of five teams that can run the table for the most part. Uh, in the end, now, their schedule is unbelievable, but they're going to be there in the end, I think, in, in terms of challenges and some of the teams out of the group of five this year. Yeah, I like them, and I didn't know if they'd come out with, you know, Russ uh, never sleeps, little Neil Young, or if they would be sharp after all their missed <laughs> games and practices, and they obviously are able to move the ball and score. Now, tomorrow, like, look, I think the whole weekend there's great, uh, starting tomorrow, there's great ACC games across the board. But it starts tomorrow night at Bobby Dodd in Atlanta, G-A-G-A-G-A, as Louisville and the Ramblin' Wreck hook up. Georgia Tech and Louisville is favored by five. Who do you like in that one, Joe? Yeah, I'm going to go with that, what I feel is the more consistent team, even though Louisville has the better skilled players. I'm going to lean to Georgia Tech here. Don't love the game, Scotty, but I'm going to take the underdog. I mean, Jeff Sims, that physical offense and defensive line, and Jeff Collins, I just think Louisville's like a glass house right now. I can't back them on the road, even though Mikhail Cunningham is solid. Uh, they haven't shown me enough from a defensive perspective, and if Georgia Tech can run the football, 
playing at home, I think they could be in this ball game. So I'm going to take the four and a half points with Georgia Tech, and uh, I think they can strike the upset tomorrow night. All right. So on Saturday, I, I just want to go through uh, the litany of of ACC games that I think are are pretty delicious, like uh, Florida State and Notre Dame in South Bend. Notre Dame's laying three touchdowns. And I've actually, you know, I know you've seen this Florida State team. I think they're just awful. Uh, They beat Jacksonville State 41-24, but they were losing that game as well. They didn't cover in that game. Uh, I just think they've been disastrous. Do you think we're going to see more uh, problems from the Seminoles against the Irish? Uh, You know, I feel like this is their Super Bowl. Jordan Travis gets the start at quarterback, and he he played in the bowl game last year against Arizona State. They got the victory. He's an athletic quarterback, better than Blackman, and can make plays outside the pocket. Here's the thing. I was in this situation a couple of years ago when Florida State was at the end of the year. They caught 20-plus points on the road in South Bend. I thought they would step up. They got blown out in that matchup. I'm going to back them here. It's not one of my... I'm one of my top plays, but I'm going to take the 20 and a half, hoping that the Seminoles defense shows up. They show some heart in the first half and they could be in this ball game in the fourth quarter. In the end, I think Notre Dame wins, but I'm going to back the Seminoles with Jordan Travis uh, with the 20 and a half on the road. Wow. Uh, I, you know, I don't trust Florida state and I know that's dangerous. I know it's a hard way to make a living laying three touchdowns. I'm going to go crazy and lay it with Notre Dame. I think Florida State's awful. Virginia Tech and North Carolina in Chapel Hill. North Carolina laying five. Both of these teams are ranked. Both are unbeaten. What do you think happens here to Hokies on the road in Chapel Hill? Yeah, one of my better picks. I like Vatek. They've won four straight in the series. The last two games have been decided by five points. But I'm going to go with the bigger physical offensive line. I mean, Virginia Tech without 21 players including their starting quarterback, Hendon Hooker, 319 rushing yards right now. I'm not sold on Sam Howell showing the inconsistency. Give me Virginia Tech. I like, I like the Hokies' defense in this matchup. Opportunistic, they four sacks. I think they get the outright win. I took them plus four and a half, plus three and a half, and I also took them on the money line. All right, so uh, in that game, I, I middled it. I took North Carolina, but I took uh, uh, to win, but Vatek with the uh, five spot. When we come back, we'll look at uh, NC State, Virginia, Duke, Cuse, and I mean, it just pit BC, it never ends. All these great games, Miami, Clemson. We're gonna get all the, all the ACC games in first, then we'll do the SEC games. All right, Pharrell on the bench. We're talking to Joe Lisi, uh, college football today uh, on on Sports Grid, and we like to talk to Joe every Thursday night about all the games. All right, so uh, I left off at NC State, Virginia. We're doing the ACC games first, and then we'll do the other ones. So uh, they're at Charlottesville. Virginia's laying eight, and originally when it opened up, it was like nine and a half, and now it's moved down to eight. What do you think of this game? Yeah, I mean, I was on North Carolina State last week, uh, plus 14 against Pitt. They jumped up and got the outright win. I think they're playing well with Devin Leary at the helm, not sold with Brennan Armstrong. I'm going to take the uh, the 7.5 points with NC State here, Scott. Not one of my better picks 
in the ACC this weekend, but I'll still take the points with the Wolfpack. I think they're playing very well right now. Duke and Syracuse uh, at the Carrier Dome. Duke's laying one on the road. Meanwhile, they're 0-4. Syracuse has won a game. What do you think of this one? Yeah, if I had to pick, I'm going with Syracuse. Syracuse has an extra week of preparation. You look at Duke over the last couple of games against heavy offensive lines, Virginia and Virginia Tech, they gave up five yards per carry two weeks ago, six yards per carry, and over 300 yards to the Hokies last week. I think they could be a burnt-out football team. Negative seven in turnover margin, not sold at the quarterback position. I like Syracuse in the matchup, plus the two and a half. Also like them in the first half, plus a half. Uh, you know, uh, in that matchup, I think they start fast with the extra week off. So you remember, you know, I hit that NC State spread against Pitt as well last week, and now Pitt's going to BC to Chestnut Hill. Pitt's three and one, BC's two and one. Pitt's laying six. Do you think BC can knock Pitt off at home, or is this a Pitt road win? Yeah, it's possible, but I re- I really like Pitt this weekend. I mean, Pitt is one of my better picks for the weekend. I like Virginia Tech. I said it. But Pittsburgh, the physicality on the defensive line, they have 19 total sacks. That's a cause of concern for BC's offensive line. They've allowed 11 sacks on the year. They've only played finesse offenses and defenses. Duke, Texas State, and North Carolina. This is a physical group in Pittsburgh. They're going to wear you down at the point of attack. And I give the edge to the quarterback position to Kenny Pickett. I think Pitt wins this ball game by double digits. They have Miami on deck. I don't think there's a look ahead. I think Pitt dominates this ball game. Wow. Do you remember? And the next game is Miami Clemson that I want to talk about. Do you remember when Miami beat up Notre Dame at the Hard Rock a few years ago, and then everybody thought the U was back? And remember, and it was packed. The place was sold out. It was rocking. And then I'll never forget that game. It was like the first time I actually felt like the Canes were back. And, you know, I'm a big Canes fan. And then uh, the next week they went to Pitt at Heinz Field and they lost. Do you remember? They lost to Pittsburgh. And then from there, they just kept losing. They never won another game. I think they lost out and, uh, and lost their bowl game, too. Like, it was unbelievable. So now you're telling me that uh, – so Pitt has this game. And then next week they have Miami. So – it's the same thing's happening again, uh, that Miami's playing Clemson, and then they have to go uh, like a big game like Notre Dame. Miami's playing Clemson, and then they got to go play Pitt? Yep. Yep. That's oh, their Jesus. next game, Pittsburgh. Oh, so that's, that's, <laughs> that's what it is. 10, 17, 12 o'clock. It's in, it's in Hard Rock, so that's a good thing. Pittsburgh is on the road, but. You know, I, I think Pitt will be focused. I don't think there's a look ahead, you know, in terms of Boston College playing very well. So I don't think they'll look past the Eagles this weekend. This is a matchup for me. I think Pittsburgh can wear them down in the first half and and dominate this ball game. So we'll see. I mean, it's a, you know, that's what gives you the in-game, right? I cover the in-game. So if I watch that first half, I don't like what I see. I can always hedge myself. But I, I looking now, I think it's a cheap number. Uh, lined open up at around four and a half. It's up to five and a half, six in some books. But uh, I already laid it with five and a half in Pittsburgh. So we'll see how this game plays out. All right. So uh, Miami and Clemson is the biggest game of the day in college football. Uh, some people would believe. I, I think it is. Now, the question begs. I know it's 14 now, Clemson land. 
I think when it opened up, it was 16. I, I jumped on it just for, uh, you know, shacks and giggles. I was like, all right, I, I think Derek King can cover the number. But I know one thing. It's simple. Either he's going to have a good game and they'll cover, or they're going to lose by 30. <laughs> it's real simple. Like, I mean, you yeah. know, this isn't real hard to figure out, right? Yeah, it's really not. I mean, just statistically, Scott, I mean, the numbers are staggering in Clemson's favor. I mean, since 2016 in the conference, straight up 51-4 and four against ACC opponents. At home in Death Valley since 2015, 36-1. So I mean you're I mean you're talking about you know phenomenal statistics. I mean they do struggle with mobile quarterbacks. So we'll see. They struggled a little bit in the first half last year against Bryce Perkins. Yara King can make plays with, uh, outside the pocket. The concern for me is can that front seven control the offensive line at Clemson? I don't know if they can, and that's why I favor Clemson. Not a, I'm not probably picking this game or meaning back in this game. I'm not going to play it. Just going to watch it uh, Saturday night. But, uh, you know, I think Clemson does win this ball game by 20 points or, or more Saturday night. How do you, like, uh, stay off of a game that juicy? Like, when I – I mean, that game, like the game of the night, the primetime game, and you just uh, – is it like a confidence thing where you just think, I'm going to have more fun just watching this game than stressing out with a bet? Or is it just a, a feeling like you think it's too dangerous of a game to bet? Well, typically I'm an underdog better, so I look for value. So that game goes up against Florida State. So for me, in terms of value, I feel I have more value with Florida State plus the 20 and a half. But that doesn't mean I, I won't jump in from an in-game perspective, just not when I break it down from a statistical standpoint in terms of my numbers it's not a game that really jumps off the page even though the numbers are staggering in Clemson's favor I have other games like I mentioned that I just think are stronger plays for me so but again I do jump in from an in-game perspective if I watch that game and I'll have it on if I see something that jumps out if Miami jumps out to a big lead or Clemson does as well I'll right. jump in from the in-game perspective on that game. It's just not one, not one that I'm, I'm just you know high on in terms of something that jumps out from the spread. All right, let's jump uh, around really quick and, and hit some of these other ones. The SEC games, Kentucky and Mississippi State. Uh, I thought they both looked like crap last week, and I know that you and I were both high on uh, Kentucky, and, and we got kicked in the onions. And then I love Costello, what he did to LSU, but then to go vomit and lose to Arkansas at home in Starkville was flat-out embarrassing. So who do you trust in this one in Lexington? I just think the more physical team is Kentucky. They did rush for over 400 against Ole Miss. They just failed to convert on some big plays. Kerry Wilson's still inconsistent, but look for Joey Gatewood to, to play in this matchup. So, again, I'm just not sold on the defense of Mississippi State. I'll take the better offense and defensive line. Give me Kentucky away in the short number uh, at home in Lexington. Alabama going to Oxford, and uh, they're laying 23 and a half. Do you remember when the Grove was open and you could actually go out and get hammered and look at hotties and eat a bunch of bratwurst and have a good time? Now it's completely yep. bare and naked and miserable. And that's, uh, I think, when you know you're in Mississippi, when you go to a college football game and there's no tailgating, uh, that's when you know I yep. may be in the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> now that game, 
that the Grove is beautiful, and just the eye candy alone is unbelievable. I right. mean, you know, just just in the Grove, right? I mean, that's like Paradise City there. Uh, it's amazing. It is. So, uh, keep in mind, though, Scotty, this game has been moved. It, it moved from six o'clock to seven thirty. So mark that down. I don't know if you have the time change because of Hurricane Delta. This game was threatened to actually move to Tuscaloosa. It's staying in Oxford as of as of Thursday night, so we'll see how that game plays out. But just statistically, Alabama's dominated the series, won four straight by 37.7 points per game. But you look at Ole Miss last year with John Rice Plumley, they actually got the backdoor cover with a minute left, put up 31 points. Lane Kiffin catching 23-and-a-half at home. I think Alabama wins, but I'll, I'll take the 23-and-a-hook. Somehow, Ooh. some way, I think they cover this number. Wow. Uh, Arkansas and Auburn at Auburn. Auburn's laying 13 and a half. Arkansas finally won a game for the first time in years. Yep. Yeah. Unbelievable. Right. I said it on uh, TMA this morning. Sue Piggy. Right. It's amazing that they (laughs) they snapped a a 20 game losing streak. I mean, Auburn's dominated the series, won the last four. Are you ready for this? 39.2 points per game. They won this game by 41 last year. They put up over 290 on the ground rushing. Now, the concern I have is the weather right now, but I'm still going with Auburn under 14 points. It's going to be a wet track for Bo Nix and the crew. I know K.J. Britt is out, but I'm going to take the better team, in my opinion, coming off a loss. I'm going to lay the uh, two touchdowns with Auburn. I think they dominate one of my better bets for the weekend. Yeah, I'm with you on that as well. Tennessee and Georgia uh, between the hedges. Twelve and a half. The dogs are laying. How about them Bulldogs? Ho, ho, ho! <laughs> Great win for them. Unbelievable. I was on the wrong side of that game. Bo Nix laid an egg, and I was very impressed with the offensive and defensive line play. But this game has me concerned. They have Alabama on deck next week, and you can go from Auburn to Tennessee to you know Tuscaloosa next next week, which will make a break uh, Georgia's season, right? So is there this a uh, a look-ahead spot. Tennessee's playing with house money. Uh, I'm not saying they win this ball game, but plus the 12 and a half with a senior quarterback in Jared Garantano. I'm going to take the 12 and a half on the road in Athens. I, I, I'm been very impressed with Jeremy Pruitt in terms of what he's coached up with that team. They can run the football with Ty Chandler and Eric Gray. Give me the 12 and a half in that ball game. All right. So there's only a few other SEC games. Florida A&M. Florida's land six and a half. Missouri LSU at Columbia, they moved it because of the uh, hurricane. LSU's laying 14, and then the other one is South Carolina Vandy. South Carolina at Vandy laying 13 and a half. Any of those stand out? I'm running out of time. Yep. Uh, the one that stands out for me, you're going to laugh. I like Missouri. I got them plus 15 and a half here on FanDuel, so I took them. I, I think there's somehow, some way with Bay uh, Black, they cover this matchup. And then what about the uh, Red River uh, shootout with Texas, Oklahoma, Uh, Oklahoma laying two and a half. I'm still trying to figure out how they're laying points at all after their performances against uh, K-State and Iowa State. Good call by you, by the way, picking that Iowa State win. Thank you, Scotty. Well, I think the reason why they're two and a half point favorites is just because Oklahoma since 2016 has only lost three games in the Big 12. So, you know, people aren't expecting Oklahoma to lose three straight, but I'll give Sam Ellinger a shot here. I mean, you know, 14 touchdowns, two interceptions. Expect Tanner Mordecai to come in 
I'm not sold on this Oklahoma offense. I'm, I'm just not. They can't run the football. Give me Texas as a slight underdog. I took them on the money line as well. Uh, they need to win this game, and they're playing with house money because Oklahoma, a lot of pressure on Rattler and the crew. Yeah, and uh, I, but they're not, they're not, you know, I want to keep them out of the conversation for the playoff after losing those two games. I got to be honest with you. So, uh, at Oklahoma, I'm talking about. Uh, there's a couple others that I wanted to mention to you really quick. Well, I'm running out of time. Texas Tech and Iowa State in Ames. Iowa State's laying 12 and a half. Real fast. Who do you like there? I got like five seconds. Uh, I like Florida and South Carolina. I didn't hear you. Okay, uh, yeah, no, Texas Tech and Iowa State. So uh, there you go. I'll come back and try to clean this up. Joe, great stuff. Enjoy the games on Saturday. Uh, I love having you on every Thursday talking college football. I hope you hit a lot of bets this weekend. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Joe. You got it, brother. All right, there's my man, uh, Joe Lisi. Back on the bench, uh, we got Marenzi Sports Rage up next. And I want to get your reaction. Uh, what did you think of uh, the Yankees surviving, the Dodgers kicking the Padres' ass, and Foles leading that late run down the field to get the field goal to have the Bears beat the Bucks? Yeah, like Jeff Goldblum uh, managed to cash in uh, once again due to the fly landing on Pence's head. Nick <laughs> Foles is going to make a career out of beating Tom Brady every couple of years. He can't, like, how many people can say it's too bad you don't play against Tom Brady every week, right? Eli Manning and Nick Foles. They can't beat anybody else, uh, but they step right. up and in and they get it done. Uh, Dodgers, they're a nasty team. But I tell you what, man, Atlanta are flying under the radar. That's going to be a fun series. And as far as the Yankees are concerned, man, I think the Rays might have let them off the uh, they let them off the hook, man. And the, the words of the late great Dennis Green. Now you get Garrett Cole in Game Five. To me, the, the Rays have to finish these guys off tonight, and they didn't. So, so you think Cole will beat them tomorrow? I do. I do. Yeah. I uh, well, that's I can't change my word now. That's what that's what I said. I, uh, I yeah. I said this before the game tonight, so I'm not going to go back on it. I don't have any reason to go back on it uh, right now. You let them off the hook uh, if you're Tampa Bay. I, you know, listen. Let's let's uh, let let's let um, let's let everything settle in. But yeah, right now, Scotty, I'm thinking the Yankees get it done in this spot. Yeah, and so uh, how do you think? Like, because I didn't think Snell looked good in Game One, and it, I think they're going to go nope. Snell and Glass now. How do you think he'll do the second time around against him? I think, uh, as you just stated, it's a good point. I think he's it's probably going to – it'll be an incredibly short leash. You know, this is all hands on deck. Uh, they don't play again until Sunday. The survivor would play on Sunday, and I don't think, you know, they can even worry about that. So, you know, it's going to be interesting, Scott. You got Garrett Cole versus pretty much everybody on Tampa. <laughs> right. It's going like to be everyone's crazy. It's going to be available. It's going to be crazy. All right, Sports Rage is next. I'll see you. Marenzi, have a great show. I'll see you guys tomorrow on a pain-free Friday on Coast to Coast at 4 p.m. East. Great job, Carver. Hi, good night, everybody. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.